Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Nice. Got a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. Uh, it's so good to be with you today. My name is Pastor Sean Lee. If this is the first time with us, we're so glad to have you. And for those of you watching online, if you are watching online, say hi. Let us know. Tell us where you're watching from. Um, we've got someone monitoring that, so they'll talk back to you. You can, you can have some fun and interact. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be with you guys today. We had um, a super fun weekend this just, well, we're still in the weekend, I guess. We had a super fun day yesterday. We had our Blackwing event yesterday. Do we, we have a picture, right? We got our, our picture up there. Look at that. Look at that burly-looking group. <laughs> got to shoot some stuff and have some fun and hang out. We had a great time. It was good. When we do stuff like that, you should sign up. You should, you should come and do it. It was, it was a blast. We had a really good time. Um, and not to brag, but I think I had the best score, so... Our team, our team was pretty good. We had a pretty good team. I think we tied for, I think our team tied for the lead, right? Is that, where's my team? Where, I don't know where it's, I think, yeah, we tied for the lead, right? Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. We, we, we won the invisible trophy that nobody bought. Um, so anyways, that, that, was, that was a great time. I also want to update us. So if you were with us during the generosity series, we laid out um, about four different things that we want to raise money for over this next year. And if you drove in today, you got to see um, the result of even some of that, we, um, oh, can we get the, get that background taken off so we can see the, oh, oh, yeah, there we go, look at that. So we talked about this, we had, over the next year, we had four different things we wanted to raise money for, and because of uh, you, people here in this congregation, we've already been able to reseal the parking lot, we had that done this last week, as you can see, it's nice and pretty, and um, and, and that means a lot. Yeah, you can, you can celebrate that. That's awesome. Um, that's no small feat to have that paid for, and so we appreciate uh, the people. That, but we still have stuff that we would like to, like I said, over this next year, we'd like to put money towards. So um, we still have these other areas that we would like to put money towards. We talked about the launch debt that we still have. That's about $800 a month that we put into paying off debt. Uh, and that would free up, again, being able to do other things that we want. Uh, community connection, this is something that's close to us. I feel like as a church, we want to do better at reaching our community. Um, there, if, if you don't know this, church is becoming more and more uh, seemingly irrelevant to a lot of people. Uh, and I know we don't like to talk like that. It's kind of like a downer thing to say. But a lot of people, like, they, they, they think, like, why church? Why would I go? We want to do a better job at connecting uh, with the community. So we have some plans over this next year we'd like to do, but it just, it costs money. And then the last one is just uh, connections. Uh, here, with you, people coming, how do we make this experience the best that we possibly can um, with what we've been given? So those are the things. I want to give an update to that, to let you know, to keep that top of mind, that if you would like to give to those specific uh, specific places, please let us know. And this is obviously above and beyond the, the budget that we already have set, um, but we would appreciate anything that you're willing to do and any way that you're willing to be a part of that and be generous with what we're doing here at Press Church. Uh, the next thing I want to do, and this is really exciting, um, I'm going to um, invite up, uh, well, before I do that, if, if you have been with Press for any period of time, you've seen us talk about our partnership with the Delaware Dream Center. And every week um, on Mondays, we go out and we help um, deliver groceries to, to people in need uh, in Delaware. Well, what's really awesome, and if you're on Facebook, you probably saw this, as of this last Monday, 
the Delaware Dream Center has officially made the Press Outreach Center its head of, its, its basically space of operations. And so they are now meeting out of our Press Outreach Center every week, um, and it's because of, again, a support from people like you to allow us to have facilities like this that can help uh, benefit the communities. And so can we just celebrate that? Like, they're, that's awesome to be able to provide that space. And with that, I actually have uh, Nathan here from the Delaware Dream. I'm going to invite Nathan and Pastor Jason up. Um, Nathan is the Delaware Dream Center director, and so he handles pretty much all the operations through the Dream Center. But I thought it'd be great for us to just ask Nathan some questions today to hear a little bit more about their ministry, what we are supporting, um, and, and stuff like that. So Nathan, obviously, thanks for being here today. It's great having you. Oh, I need to unmute you. There we go. Yeah, here we go. Um, so the first question I have for you, can you just give us a little bit of what the Dream Center does? Like, what, what does the Dream Center do? Yeah, absolutely. And before I do that, I just want to thank you guys both, and thanks, ER, and all of you guys for having me today. It's an honor and a privilege to get to be here and to get to share with you guys uh, what we get to do together. And so, yeah, what do we do? Um, well, right now we're currently running three programs. We have our Monday and Tuesday night adoptive block is what we call it, and that's where we deliver groceries to about 150 families, which feeds about 300 people each and every week. And the way that we do that is we send out teams, uh, and the, each team consistently serves the same 10 to 15 families every week. So they're building those relationships with those people every single week. Um, so that's Monday and Tuesday, and so that means that out of your outreach center, there is 300 people being fed every single week. And that's because of your guys' generosity, just yeah. like just like Pastor Sean said. Um, on Saturdays, we pick up kids from those families and we do a Bible lesson with them, we play games with them, we uh, feed them lunch, and we do a craft. And so we get to just do some really intentional mentorship type stuff with those kids. Uh, so if you have a interest in serving kids, that would be a really great lane to get to just pour into some kids' lives who have some really difficult home situations. Um, and the summer right now we are doing summer block parties and so that means that we uh, just pop up shop in uh, the communities that we're serving. We do a bounce house, we do resources, we do uh, food, we'll grill out and we have yard games and we just hang out with the community. We always end sharing the Bible with uh, the kids that we have at the event. So it's a really great time. That's what we're currently doing. We're getting ready to launch a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, that's sort of how we're serving the community right now. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know if it was July or August at your the block party. Sean and I were on the grill uh, for that, so that was a that was a lot of fun uh, grilling burgers. Food, food and, team. Yeah, food team, food team. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious, just so everybody here knows, because actually it's funny. Probably a large majority of people here have never actually been to the Delaware Press Outreach Center, just because we haven't been having services there. So, how has moving into that uh, been helpful? And I know it's a week. <laughs> like, there's still, you know, stuff we're figuring out, but how will it be uh, uh, helpful even, you know, for the next six, 12 months as you uh, do stuff out of there? Yeah, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple ways that it's immediately helping us. One is that it just opened up space for us to grow. So um, where we were meeting before, we didn't have a, a ton of space, and so we had kind of plateaued at the volunteer level we were at because it was it was getting kind of uncomfortable in there. And, uh, Jason was there, he could attest to that. <laughs> and so uh, this, it's just opened up the space and given us space to grow, which means hopefully that gives us space to 
feed more people, love more people, share Jesus with more people. The second thing he did is, um, if you haven't been there, you should check it out. It's a nice facility. And so what, one thing that we, we're big about is we want our volunteers to have a good experience. If our volunteers have a good experience, then they'll come back. And if they come back, then we can just continue to pour into our volunteers as much as we pour into the community. And so getting to use that space has just helped increase our volunteer experience across the board. So yeah. thank you guys so much for allowing oh, us to Absolutely, that yeah. So um, that kind of leads to the next question then. What, what are some of the things on the horizon that maybe you're not doing yet, but you'd like to see develop that maybe we can have a part in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there are three programs that we are currently in the process of starting right now. Um, one of them is a legal aid clinic. And so that means that once a month, we will set up a legal aid clinic uh, in the neighborhood, and that will give people who typically could not afford legal aid the opportunity to come in and get some advice and kind of figure out how to handle some of the situations that they're trying to navigate. Um, it'll also give us a space that's an easy into uh, just getting to speak into some of the most difficult areas of people's lives, and getting to pray with them, and getting to share the hope of Jesus with them. Uh, we are also getting ready to start what we call our Brotherhood and Sisterhood program, and that is a middle school and high school program, because as the kids that we serve on Saturday mornings, the elementary schoolers age up, we want to be able to grow with them and continue with them all throughout their high school and middle school experiences. Um, and then the, the final thing we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to put a Bible study in one of the uh, apartment complexes that is that has the most families that we serve. So there is an apartment complex where we serve 40 families and seniors just within that complex alone. And so as we're kind of looking at that and we're, we're thinking how can we continue to uh, not, only, not only help people, uh, help meet people's physical needs but meet their spiritual needs and help them take the next step in discipleship, it just made sense that we would not only uh, put a Bible study in that community but begin to equip leaders in the community to be the ones leading the Bible study so that they could be self-sufficient and just grow uh, as a community together. And so that's what we're working on right now. We are also uh, working on uh, just every year we have holiday events that we do this year for Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, we are going to be in that same apartment complex on Thanksgiving Day for lunch. We're going to be joining them and we're going to be serving them Thanksgiving uh, a Thanksgiving meal. We know that there's a lot of seniors and families in that complex that might not have a place to go on Thanksgiving. And, and anyone here can volunteer to be part of that, right? Anybody here. If you okay. have nothing going on on Thanksgiving morning from about 10 to 1, then come hang out with us. Come join us. Come serve with us. That would be incredible. All right. And if they want to do that, you have a table out there with QR codes. Yep. They can get signed up. We've got QR codes for serving, QR codes for giving. Uh, <laughs> All right, real quick, because, uh, you know, Sean does have a message he wants to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> real, real quick, um, can, before I pray for you, can we, uh, could you maybe share, like, I've got, I've got stories just from my experiences there, but um, can you share, like, one story of a cool thing that happened with some of the people that were able to serve? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like I said, Mondays and Tuesdays we're delivering groceries. We have teams that go out. We have team leaders that lead those teams. And the point of that is to build the relationships and to just uh, get to meet needs on a more personal level. Um, and so one of, the, one of the seniors that we serve, actually, we had one of the team leaders having a conversation with her, and we realized that her car was not working. And that was not good for her because she needed to get to a significant amount of medical appointments that she was unable to get to. And she couldn't afford to get it fixed. And so uh, 
luckily for her, our, our team leader said, well, we'll first he said, we'll, we'll pray that the Lord would just lead us and guide us in the direction that would be helpful for this. But then he remembered that his son-in-law uh, was, was a mechanic at an auto body shop. And so he contacted him and he said, hey, could you come and just check out uh, the car and see what's going on? And then not only that, but then the owner of the shop said, as he was kind of in dialogue with his boss that day, said, hey, that's incredible. We'll, we'll cover all the parts if and whatever needs to be fixed. But wait, that's, that's not where the story ends. So, so he goes and he checks it out and he gets there and he's looking at it. And he says, when was the last time you drove this car? And she was like, I don't know, like yesterday. And he said, this car shouldn't even be running. He said, it, it is completely rusted out on the bottom. It is totaled. I don't even know how you drove it yesterday. He said, we, no amount of parts can fix this car. And so, you know, that was a huge letdown because now not only does she not have a car, but she has no way to afford a new car and she has to get to these appointments. Uh, so he goes back to work and he tells his boss, hey, thank you so much for offering the parts up, but actually it's a total loss. There's no way that we're gonna be able to fix the car. And, and I don't know if you guys know, this is Oxford Automotive, so they have rental cars that they give out to people who are getting work done on their cars. And they had just got a new shipment of rental cars in, so they had some other ones that were just laying around. And he said, why don't we just give her one of our old rental cars that runs well, and we'll just, we'll just give it to her for free. So uh, that, that whole process, it took, a couple, it took a couple of weeks to kind of get that solidified, so we weren't telling her because we didn't want to give her false hope if something kind of fell through the cracks. So, you know, our, our team would go back every week and they'd say, we'll just, we'll, let's just keep praying and asking God to work something out for you to get a new car. And, uh, one time as they were having that conversation, she was reminiscing and she was like, man, there was this one car that I had that I loved more than any other car. If I could have any other car again, it would be this one. She was like, it was a, it was a PT Cruiser. She was like, I just, I just loved that car. And, uh, Lo and behold, the car that Oxford Automotive was donating to her was a PT Cruiser, right? Okay, so now, get this, she uses that PT Cruiser to get to church every single week. Yeah. Whereas before she wasn't doing that. Yeah, so, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me say a quick prayer uh, for, for Nathan and for the Dream Center and how we can be uh, connected in that. God, I just want to thank you for Nathan and our friendship. Uh, thank you for the, the heart that I know he has for the community. Uh, and, and it's just a joy to watch him as he uh, grows that, as he offers then opportunities for people to serve and to be served. Uh, God, I pray for this ministry. I pray that Press Church could continue to be a, a very helpful partner uh, and support for Nathan, for the Dream Center, for the, the literally hundreds of people uh, that are served every week through that. Thank you that we have the opportunity to even do that. Um, God, I pray that you would continue to uh, bring stories like this to fruition, that we would see your, your people doing your work for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys right. so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. Let's just give a, another round of applause for what Dream Center's doing and for Nathan. Well, with that, I'm not going to say a whole lot. We are going to jump into our car video for today. So let's watch the car video. We, uh, we had a flat tire. Yes. We did. 
and uh, a real live flat. Like we had to pull over, get the jack out. It's, it's like a, a actually change a tire. Yeah, it was like a joke. Like how many pastors does it take to change a tire? <laughs> Apparently, Obviously at least three. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we figured out how to get the spare down. That's right. It took some work, and we got it. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be uh, working for NASCAR anytime soon. <laughs> we, how many bad things can happen? Don't ask that. Yeah. <laughs> so flat, we might find flat out. Flat tires, starting to rain. And it's cold. I didn't bring another jacket. We make these inconveniences yeah. that we, we experience. We blow them into life and death, good and evil yeah. type Well, but situations. I think this goes even back to like the whole series in general. Where's my mind? It's almost more like it's... It's based off of, like, movies for us. Uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like the church lady, right? <laughs> Could it be... Satan? <laughs> Could it be... Satan? Satan. But uh, we do... So, there, you know, that's funny. and, and But we have all these cultural depictions yes. Yes. of what evil is, right? Right. And, uh, and unfortunately, it's, it's not a clearly not a biblical representation yeah. and so you get into these things like even the concept of a, a red hooved horn right. devil right, or, or right, something right. sitting on your shoulders and trying to right. convince you into something you know it's uh, that's okay. a very false depiction and it leads us to not really understand what's really going on here yeah. and that we are fighting against forces that are coming against us and we only think about evil when bad things happen, right? right? And if something doesn't bring us pleasure or make us feel good or the situation doesn't turn out the way that we want, we call that mm-hmm. uh, evil or, the, you know, the, yeah. the devil's coming yeah, against yeah, us yeah. or something. Yeah. And there is a battle for our mind. When we say, where is our mind? Yeah. Like, there is yeah. a battle yeah. going on for your mind. And a lot of that stuff comes in nice, pretty packages, yep. too. We get to where we're comfortable and now God is not in the picture. And now we, we, we are not thinking them. of things yeah. uh, of, of how God is interacting with us or anything right. like that. It's when just, do people oh. reach out? When they're in crisis, exactly. right? right? And usually their concept of crisis is, uh, is around something not going the way they want it to, yeah. right? Yeah. We all fall into that. So, I mean, some of it is, where is my mind when things are fine? Right, exactly. That's when it really we have to start setting those patterns in place <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. that keep us pointed at Christ. There is an accuser, yeah. and the Satan, the Satan, yeah. speaks a lot of truth, right? Right. He does this to Jesus, uh, and, and and so using that truth and then twisting it Just ever so slightly, yeah. right? And it's if you look at the pattern, it's all designed to attack your identity. Yes. Your identity as a child right. of God. Yeah, where where is your identity when where's your mind when your identity is under siege? Yes. Yeah. So of course, you know, speaking about evil and attacking us, of course we'd have a flat tire this week. That was that was fun. CR didn't use the the image of me coming around the car with him and Jason butts up in the air, you know, looking under the Save spare I guess for that one. But if if I was to ask you, what is what is evil's main goal? Like, what is, what is evil's main goal, maybe in your life? You don't have to say it out loud, but like, just think about it. What, what is the main goal of evil? How does evil attack you? Where is evil moving? And I think for, for many of us, these, 
this isn't a question that we think about. It's not a question that we ponder. We, we, we don't really think about this very much. But the, the truth is there is a battle going on. There's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your soul. And as Jason and Sierra both said in this, where's your mind when things are going good? At the same time, where's your mind when things are going bad? What are the things that we are focusing on through all the circumstances of life? If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can open to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. But if you have it, if you want to follow with us in your Bibles, if not, you can read here. Let's read this together. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. As we work through these verses today, I believe that we'll get a better perspective on how evil tends to attack us. As we said, I think a lot of us think that evil just works in, in bad circumstances or inconveniences, car accidents, sickness, job loss. And I'm not saying that evil can't attack that way or spiritual attack never presents itself like that, but I don't think it truly encapsulates what evil is trying to do. When you look at evil as a whole, there's one thing that I think encapsulates this, and it's this. Evil twists truth. Evil twists truth. The core of evil represents in itself twisted truth. When we look in the, the Gospel of John, uh, we see him express this as he's talking about the devil. He says, there is no truth in him, for he is a liar. He is the father of lies. We see this all the way back in the story of Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. What happens? He's kind of telling them some truths, sort of, but he's twisting them. He's offering them good promises. Oh, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And in some ways, what he was saying is true. And so we see him beginning to do that. You're starting to twist truth. Evil twists truth. So I want to look through three different things that we see in these passages of how evil twists truth. And the first one is this, evil twists Who's in control? The, the first thing that, that the devil says to Jesus is, if you are the Son of God. I always like that. If you are the Son of God. If you're in control. If you're powerful enough. Do this. Is, is, has anybody ever said that to you in like a sly way? Like they question your kind of, well, you know, if you, if you can do it. And then now you're like, oh, I'm going to show them, right? We, we, like, we're challenged now. And, and we see this. The devil pushes for self-reliance. He pushes 
you to be in control, you to be the one who's in control, for you to be a God in and of yourself. And I think, if I think about this, I think this is a big one for a lot of us. This is a big one that we all fight, is this, this idea of self-reliance. It's the American way, right? Pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do it yourself. Which is funny. Have you ever thought about that statement, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? I, got, I, got, I was curious. I wrote that down, and I'm like, where, where does that even come from? Like, that's, that doesn't even make any sense. And what's funny is, I did a little research. This actually, so this phrase originated shortly before the 20th century, and it was attributed to a physics book. And the physics book was from the late 1800s, and it contained a question. It says, why cannot a man lift himself up by pulling on his bootstraps? So what's funny is that that, that statement then got used almost as, as sarcasm or to suggest that something is impossible. So the original statement, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, was a joke of like saying, yeah, you really can't. Like, that's ridiculous to think. And yet now, in 2022, I guess people don't really say that much anymore. But you, you know, when, when you hear that, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know what it means. You, mean, you think of it as like, I can actually do that. When the original intent was like, no, that's stupid. Why do you think about it that way? Leave it to us to make it about us and our power, right? Like America, right? <laughs> Pull yourself out of your bootstraps. You can't. You can't. You're not in control. And this is what uh, evil does. Evil makes us think that we are in control, that we can do it on our own, that we are in control. Evil twists who's in control. The second thing it does is evil twists what makes us special. Evil twists what makes us special. When, when I look at the second temptation, I see a kind of prove yourself. Prove yourself, Jesus. Show us how powerful you are. Jump off. Your angels, your angels will protect you. Show us how special you are. Show us how powerful you are. Come on. And, and what this does, it gets to something that's core to a lot of us in that we want to be special. We want to be important. I want to be important. I want to be liked. I want to be seen as somebody who's good. That's why I joked about the, the sporting clays thing. Oh, yeah, I, I had the best score, right? Look at me. I'm so, and it's like, I think I get to like false sense of like, I'm actually worth something. It's like, nobody cares. <laughs> By the way, I kept that piece of paper, and I'm going to frame it, and I'm going to put it in my room. <laughs> and everybody who comes to my house will see it. No, but it's like, we... We want, we want that. I want to be special. I want to be important. I want to be liked. I want to be a good speaker. I want you to come and think, well, he's very eloquent, and he, he speaks very well. I, I've never heard that before. That scripture, this is, like, wh why? Because I find my identity, or I tend to find my identity, more in what I do, in how good I am. And so where the first lie makes me question my control, like oh, I'm in control, the second one is makes, that it makes me question my worth. If I'm not doing this, if I'm not good enough, then I am not worthy, I am not good enough, I don't deserve to be loved, I'm not special. It makes me think that I have to do X, Y, Z for people to, to like me, for people to see me the way that I want to be seen, for me to have value in this life, to be loved. 
And because of this, our identity is then tied to successes and failures and good things happening and bad things happening, whatever it may be. I talked about, was it last week? I said, you know, when we do something bad, it's not that I did something bad, it's that I am now bad. I am that bad thing that I have done. I take on that identity. It's not that I just messed up. I am a mess up. I am a screw up. And so it, it, it hits us at the core of who we are. It gets us in, in our identity, which then deceives us into thinking that our circumstances reflects our worth. If good things are happening, then I'm, I'm good. If bad things are happening, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. And it's in these circumstances that we see evil trying to make us think that God doesn't love us or that God doesn't care about us. If good things aren't happening to me, it must mean that God doesn't love me. God's not looking after me. Yet if the good things are happening, well, either we think that like, well, I've, I've been good and I've, I'm doing it, and so I'm the one, or God just, God just really loves me. I'm, I'm special. You're probably, the, the, you that's having bad stuff, you're probably, you probably deserve it because you're probably doing something wrong. And, and we, we, we get in this, this cycle of, 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 it's almost like karma, right? It's like, it's like biblical karma, <laughs> Christian karma. I do good, I get good. I do bad, I get bad. And we're, <laughs> we're all susceptible. We're susceptible to the lie. And if I don't see good in my life, God doesn't actually love me. What's, what's crazy is, we, we have verses like, for God so loved the world, right? While we were yet, what? While we were yet sinners, God. Jesus came, died a sinner's death for you. Not because you are really good at doing something. Not because you can give back enough. Because you are made in God's image and God loves you. Yet how hard is it for us to live like that? That is so hard. That's not enough. I have to look a certain way. I have to talk a certain way. I have to be a certain way. I have to be... I have to be special. I have to have a certain amount of followers. I have to get a certain amount of likes and hearts and whatever. Whatever the trending social media platform is, I have to make sure that that's, that's running and looking good, and I gotta, I gotta look right, and I gotta be right. I can't let my guard down, because I want people to like me. I wanna be special, I wanna be important. It doesn't matter how good you do any of that, God's love for you is, is there, it's set. It's proven. Evil twists what makes us special. The next thing is evil twists our purpose. Jesus knew what he was here to do. If you, if you read through Matthew, um, right after these verses, you, you get into where Jesus is going out to collect his disciples. So it's like he, he has this, he hears about some stuff with John the Baptist, and then he starts collecting disciples. He's going out. And this is where he formally begins his ministry that ultimately leads to his death and resurrection. And so we see this, like, right before he starts his, his real ministry, 
these temptations, these, these attacks, making him question his purpose. Satan's saying, oh, praise me. I'll give you, I'll give you this stuff. Worship, worship me. And ultimately trying to get him to miss his main mission, his whole purpose, and why Jesus is here. And I think a lot of us, we, we fall into this category of asking, what is our purpose? That's a big word, right? Maybe some of you, when you, even saying that, you get like this knot in your stomach, like, I don't know. What am I? I don't know what I'm doing. Join the club. Join the club. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing it right? There's some of us in here, it's like, we want to do the right thing. Right? I, I need to do the right thing. What's the, what's the right thing? What am I supposed to do, God? Because if I don't do it right, then you might not love me. What I have found is my purpose is less about what I'm doing and more about like how and or why I'm doing it. I don't have to be in ministry to honor God with my life and to have purpose. I don't have to be a missionary. I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to, like, what I'm doing here is a reflection of being obedient to what I feel God wants me to do. And so the question for all of us, if you're, if you're worried about purpose, what you're supposed to do, have you, have you asked God, like, hey, God, how, how can I be obedient to you? Or maybe you say, hey, in the job that I have now, God, how am I obedient to you? It, he might not want you to leave. You might have you right where you need to be. Most of us are right where we need to be. And the question is, how are you including God in what you're doing? God, how are you using me in my job? What is my purpose here? You've, you've placed me here. How are you using me here? And so for us, I think asking some questions, how am I, be obe how am I being obedient? How am I loving God in the midst of what I'm doing? Am I, am I being loving to God in what I'm doing? How am I loving others? I think we overcomplicate it. I think we over, overthink it. God has each of you in a, in, in, a, in a unique space, a unique life with unique relationships. And if you're sitting there, well, what's my purpose, what I'm doing? You're missing the fact that you have people in your life that you can be ministering to, you can be sharing God's love with in, in right, right now, right here and now. You may be a family that has a, a young child and you're like, you don't go out anymore and you're like, how am I, how am I supposed to have purpose? All I do is I come home and I, you know, and you're missing the fact that you've got a spouse. How are you loving your spouse? How are you showing God's love to your spouse? How are you raising a child to show them love, to show them God's love? What, there's purpose in that. Where does God have you right now? And, and all evil wants to do is he wants to twist that purpose. He wants you to, he wants you to believe that, that what you're doing is not important or not good enough. Evil twists purpose. It twists who's in control. It twists what makes us special. It twists our purpose. If you have your Bible still open or want to follow, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Starting in verse 10, I want to read this. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This isn't to say, like, we won't have human enemies that oppose us. But our main controversy isn't against those. It's against these spirits of evil that want to attack us. And what I love in these verses is right after it says this, it, it tells us what we should do. All right? It says, hey, there's gonna, you're going to have attack. There's like evil ones to attack you. This is going to happen. Here's what, here's what you should do. So starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. I love that, talking about, talking about truth. Stand firm with truth. Starts with truth. Buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Can you leave that, leave that up for a second? As we're talking about where's my mind, I love the, the helmet of salvation. The helmet obviously protects your head, but the helmet of what? Salvation. We, we talked about last week the importance of us being rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, the good news of what Jesus did, his death and his resurrection. Cover your head, cover your mind, protect your head with the helmet of salvation. God's grace, God's mercy. This is our foundation. I am, I'm not special because of what I can do. I don't have a purpose outside of what God wants for me. I'm not really in much control outside of God, and it's in the salvation of Jesus Christ that we find identity. We said that in the video. This all comes back to identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? Take on the helmet of salvation. You are loved by God. Your purpose is in him, in Christ. We've been focusing on our minds in this series. There's, there's a battle for our minds. We must put on the armor of God. We need God's truth. How many of us feel anxiety and fear? And I mean, these are things that we battle all the time, and it's usually because we are believing something that's untrue. We're believing something that evil is giving us that usually attacks my control, what I can do, how I'm not worthy, not loved, not special enough. And it gets to, it gets to our purpose. And as we talk about, you know, some of the verses that we've used in this series, you know, talking about meditating on things above. Let us set our minds on things above. Let us, this week, maybe we need to take time to read Ephesians 6. How are we guarding ourselves against the lies of evil? How are we letting the lies of evil dictate what we do, how we live? 
We need to know God. We need to be with God. We need to be with him. We need to know him so that when we have these untruths, when we have this twisting of truth, we know and we can stand on what actually is. I'm going to close with this. There's a, a worship song that I used to really enjoy listening to. And in the bridge, um, there's this line that I, I catch myself singing it over and over, and I think it, it, it represents something that I think would be good for all of us to meditate on. Do we have those words? Can we put that up? It says this, it says, so that all that I am be consumed with who you are. Oh, the glory of your presence, what more could I ask for? I wanna be consumed with who God is. I want to know him intimately. And it's in knowing him intimately that I can, can be protected from the lies of evil, the lies of where I get my value, the lies of where I get my purpose. What more could I ask? To be with you. To be with you, God. I pray that over us this week, that we would know God, that we would be in his presence, that we'd be learning more about him. That happens in community. That happens on Sundays. That happens on Tuesday nights at our first and third mega groups. That happens when you have people over for dinner and you share about your faith. It's not a one-time event. It's in scripture. It's in prayer. How are we setting ourselves up to know the truth of who God is and who we are because of him? Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your truth, for who you are. You are truth, God. And I pray that, that each of us, that we, would, that we would seek you and your truth, God. That we would be able to fight against these lies of the devil. Even when they sound good, they sound right, or they sound like they could be good, God, that we would be able to have your wisdom, your insight, that your spirit would lead us to know your truth, that our identity would be firmly planted in who you are and what you have done, not out of what I can do in my own power. God, I thank you for how good you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this time together, for your presence with us. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and join us as we continue in worship and talk about the presence of God in our lives. Let's worship. Sweet, sweet, sweet.